Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Austin Powers Gold Member. You do not have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Groovy baby, yeah. Shagadelic, etc. Shagadelic baby, yeah. There we go. That's the third and final time we can do that as an intro. <laughs> Just quoting Austin Powers. More's the pity. Smoke and a pancake, baby, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I love a smoke and a pancake. Do um, you? Unnecessary quotes, baby, yeah. Needless one-liners, baby, yeah. I enjoy a pancake. I do not enjoy a smoke. No. Me neither. Give me a give me a pancake. I'll be your friend for life. Yep, pancake day has been and gone, hasn't it? But we had Easter last week. Have yeah. you eaten all your Easter chocolate? Oh no, there is so much Easter chocolate. It is going to take some time to get through. Good, because if you'd have said yes, I'd have had to instantly end this show. <laughs> Would we that had a be good out run. of, out of yeah. dis- disgust for my gluttony, or disgust that I clearly didn't have enough chocolate at Easter? No, that you didn't have didn't have enough Easter chocolate. Yeah, really. yeah, good, good. I was going to say uh, the 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 real issue with with Easter is you never have enough chocolate. Yet at the I'd same have been time. okay with it if you'd have if you'd have said I didn't have enough Easter chocolate and I got through it quite quickly. But I still love Easter, baby. <laughs> Had to get that one in somewhere, didn't I? Love Easter, baby. Yeah, he he is a risen baby. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon Austin Powers is actually a Christian. I reckon he actually loves God. <laughs> you think he's a Christian? Yeah, I think he thinks that God's groovy, baby. <laughs> groovy, baby, yeah. Yeah, he died for our sins, baby. And now he's risen. <laughs> and then he, I'm not going to do the laugh because I can't do the laugh. But I don't know if I noticed it more with this film or like it just is more apparent or whether it is actually... That he does it more, but it, this film, it seemed like he was laughing at every single one of his own lines. It <laughs> like, was endlessly, the entire just to fill thing. the time. It's the, like a 90 minute film and 30 minutes of it is just him laughing at his own jokes. The entire thing is so decadent. It's It really is just, here's all of my jokes. I'm going to play multiple characters more than normal in this one. And you will sit back and, and watch me do multiple musical numbers as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> they should have called it Austin Powers Decadence. Yeah, the I I have a I have a question about Austin Powers Gold Member. Is it groovy, baby? It is not groovy, <laughs> groovy baby. So this movie, they're using Goldfinger as the yep. main joke. Goldfinger, one of the quintessential Sean Connery. Um, Bond movies, right? Um, made in 1964. Already the key template for a lot of the jokes in Austin Powers. So odd job, uh, yeah, being replaced by a random random task. Um, the the terrible female character names. Um, all of that stuff comes from Goldfinger. So why did they revisit a joke? You mean Goldfinger the Scar Band? <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly, Goldfinger the Scar Band. Um, why did they revisit Goldfinger here for a movie that was set in predominantly in the 1970s? I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any of them give a shit about and like actually properly parodying Bond on that kind of level. They they care about parodying Bond in as much as it's a vehicle for a lot of crude gags. And that's as far as it goes. They will have sat down and had their long list of names and then eventually managed to pull this one out of the hat. Well, it, on, the, on the name, uh, you probably this might have come up in your trivia, but I guess we can mention it now as we're talking about the name. On the Wikipedia, it says, The title of the film led to legal action being taken by MGM, the distributors of the Bond film franchise that briefly led to the film's title being removed from promotional material and trailers. <laughs> Several potential replacement titles were prepared, including Licence to Shag, Oh, that is... let shag. <laughs> you only shag thrice and never say member again. You, the you... dispute was quickly resolved. <laughs> you only shag thrice is quite a good title. Those other ones are extremely bad. Live and let shag. That's the kind of thing we'd come up with. <laughs> <laughs> but as a joke. Shag. Yes. Yeah. yeah. License to shag is a bit better, but... But, but, but that just shows you, doesn't it, how utterly humorless MGM are and the, uh, how just kind of humorless Bond is it's, and like, so that it does deserve to be sent up. So in a way, in, in that kind of thing, you're on Austin Powers' side, aren't they? But it's like they, they took issue with Goldmember, but they were fine with the spy who shagged me. Maybe they caught wind of how utterly dog shit Goldmember was going to be and thought, oh, we really don't want that one. Um, Maybe they did. The, the, yeah. Live and Let Shag would have been a better fit because obviously that was the first Roger Moore Bond and was very 70s centric. Yeah. So that maybe would have been a better fit. And you could have had to, them doing, if he was going to get up and do a musical number, he could have gone Live and Let Shag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Guns N' Roses version of that song is very good. It's extremely good. Guns N' Roses are one of those bands where, um, as good as they are at their own music, you know, they've got some real great songs under their belt, Guns N' Roses. Their cover versions are exceptional as well. I don't know if you've heard the, your, their cover of, um, oh, what's the, what's the Rolling Stones song? Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah, yeah. It is so good that that cover version is vastly superior to the yeah, original I much movie. Prefer it. I'm uh, not that into the song. Stones. Similar, similar to Bob Dylan, actually. Like, I I quite like Bob Dylan's music, but it generally I generally tend to prefer a cover of it. And with the Stones, I find the same thing. Often, I don't engage with it when it's the Stones one, but sometimes you hear you hear a version of it and you're like, yes. I get that. In, in the core of that is a good song. It's just a shame that it's sung by swaggering British blokes who are old. <laughs> I mean, they weren't <laughs> you know? old at the time. I went to see the band Fun many years ago. Do you know the band Fun? We are fun. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, they, and they, they just sing songs about their own name. Because we're fun and we are fun, yeah. <laughs> Having lots of fun, yeah. Fun. That's how that song that's, goes. That's the song, yeah. That's that was their one their one song. That was their, their fun song. Yeah. Um, and that was actually that'd probably be like one of the, one of my favourite shows that I've ever been to, mainly because fun were only around for a period of about four or five years, I think. Um, so to have seen them was really special, but that album was great and I loved them. And since then, obviously, their members have all gone on to do other things, mainly Jack Antonoff is now like a hot name in music production and has his band Bleachers, who are amazing. 
he's but fun were awesome. He's the one who is just producing all the all the insipid pop music now, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, but his yeah, he's he's the bleachers. But his now. his touch on it raises it from the insipid to something that is actually interesting. Like if you if you listen closely. This, you can you can hear it if you listen to enough of his stuff and ex- you're familiar with his style. He's he's good at elevating pop music from being just like samey. Extremely disagree. <laughs> he 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 took Lana Del Rey from being interesting to being less interesting. Well, I don't care about Lana Del Rey because I don't like her music. So he he, he did Lord, didn't he? He did Lord and he did yes. Taylor Swift. He's done Lord, Taylor, Carly Rae Jepsen, Grimes. He's he's done them all. <laughs> That's what I say. If you're going to be interesting, don't do pop music. Sorry, guys. Controversial statement: All pop music is boring shit. Only the only interesting music is is noise bands. <laughs> exactly. It, well, to be fair, I think when you get stuck into Boris and Napalm Death are the only interesting bands. <laughs> Boris are the only interesting. Well, to be fair, Boris are the most interesting band. I think when if you listen to Boris after that, anything else is just like this is a bit shallow and pedantic isn't it <laughs> why is this not a nine minute long noise song with a japanese person whispering over the top of it for half and screaming over the top for the other half yeah um i i think to be fair when you get into the corporate music machine because when we're talking about pop music that's not just popular music it's corporate pop so when yeah. you're looking at when you're looking at lord when you're looking at carly ray jepson when you're looking at um not so much lana del rey initially um, had a bit more going on but when you're looking at taylor swift in particular there's only so much you can do within that framework and like even the best producers can fall into the trap of making extremely boring sounding music because it has to fall within that framework like um halsey's latest album oh, yeah. was produced by trent Reznor and atticus ross that's right yeah and it's and it's it's not it's not terrible, it's, but you know it's it, no, it's, it, 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 it's shit. It is really shit. I, I don't it's, hate it. It's it's truly awful. It's 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 perhaps the worst use of their talents I think I've ever heard. Um, you've got these two Oscar winning, multiple Oscar winning, uh, uh, you know, uh, composers um, being put to work on a pop album, and and you can hear vague traces of their of their style. You can hear a little bit of tension there. You can hear a little bit of noise. You can hear a little bit of industrial in there. But overall, it's still the same pop music, just with a slightly, a slight edge to it that wasn't there before. And it's just like, well, you could have done something more. And that's what frustrates me about about corporate pop is this is an opportunity to do something really different and get people listening to it. Because let's be honest, people are going to buy that Halsey album anyway. People are going to buy that Lana Del Rey album anyway. People are going to, well, not buy anymore, but they'll stream it a lot because they're fans and they have this huge audience. Why not do something interesting and dangerous with it? I, yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, I, I think that was probably their intention, you know, and to, to have those kind of producers from outside that outside the corporate pop world is definitely, I think it has that intention. They probably just didn't succeed in your eyes. Yeah, maybe some fans really like it and think that it's different. Fa- you know? Fans do like it and think that it's different, but I, it's clearly very. It's much... It's all in the the ear of the beholder, isn't it? I mean, uh, right now I don't care for any music unless it's sung by a man dressed as a demonic pope. So you know, it's... <laughs> but but the thing is that I think it's all it's all curtailed by by bigwigs, isn't it? 
yeah. all of it is decided by money men. None of it is decided by by actual artists anymore. And that's the big problem with the corporate music world is it doesn't have that it it doesn't have that um that ingenuity to it and it hasn't had that since new metal to go back no. to our other podcast <laughs> which is the most important the, genre the, of music the last era of music where people the, took the risks. rubicon or should i say the rudebicon <laughs> because it was a bunch of rude boys not rude boys <laughs> rude boys exactly, exactly as we discussed in our other show but anyway the point i was trying to make about jack antonoff before you went off on one he was the guitarist in fun and they at that show they did a cover of you can't always get what you want by the rolling stones and i'd always hated that song and then when i saw them do it i was like all oh, right yeah i get it now i can i have a controversial thing to say about the band fun they're not fun no their, their music's fine <laughs> and their music is fun fun is a fucking awful band name Particularly oh, I like it. They, they 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 do that thing where they spell it with a lowercase f and a and a little full stop at the end. And it was all lowercase with a full stop. Is that in the the Portugal dot the man school of exactly band names? or, yeah. or car seat headrest car seat headrest or catfish in the bottle? Yeah. Is it better or worse than catfish in the bottle? Men? It's better than catfish in the bottle men because it takes less um, syllables to say, but it is still Good. an awful awful band name. <laughs> Whereas bleachers bleachers is a good band name. Yeah, you like that one? It's a that's, good that's band. That's the name of the benches at a baseball game. Yeah, it is. The ones that all stack up. But also sounds like bleach, which you use to clean the toilet. <laughs> I know that's the only reason you like the band, is it is tangentially related to, to, to baseball. Look, when I'm cleaning this <laughs> toilet, I need a soundtrack that also relates to baseball. Scrub, scrub the toilet, I've got to go. Scrub, scrub the toilet, I've got to go. <laughs> take me down to the toilet (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually watching baseball right now wow they the blue jays game is on right now which is quite rare on a thursday that it's on a uk friendly time i don't know it must be a holiday in the in the us or something but i i i appreciated a baseball video game you did that's right you reviewed one i did you got to hit some balls i hit some balls and And throw some balls Particularly the throwing of the balls was fun, which most baseball games aren't. Yeah, um, that's that's really good. Can you choose what kind of pitches? You we'll we'll get to gold member, don't worry. We've got something. Welcome to MLB The Show 22 cast, everybody. Um, can you choose what pitches you can throw you, as a pitcher? You can. And the ingenious thing is that the pitch you throw is determined by the wiggles that you do on the joystick when you're the pitcher. Ah, that's so cool. if you're going to do a fast ball, it's like a little zigzag. If you're going to do a curve ball, it's like a half semicircle around the outside and then a straight up. So it's all it's all dependent on what you do with the joystick, which I thought was brilliant. Rather than just pressing a button, you've got to actually that's do cool. something. And depending on how well you match up with the template, it determines how good your pitch is um so it's really yeah i was very impressed by that mechanic i have no idea if that's been a thing in baseball games for a while um but the last time i played a baseball game that was not how you did it Um, which was probably ken griffey jr's magic (laughs) rad awesome ball on the snes or something yeah exactly um it was uh it was um Hold on, what's his name? What's the really old baseball man? Um, Babe Ruth. 
<laughs> Babe Ruth Super Magic Famicom Baseball. It was, it, it was Babe Ruth Baseball that you played with a sheet of paper. <laughs> Passing it back and forth. <laughs> Between you and your friends. Back in, back in ni- like 19, what, 19, 1910s, 1920s? That was Babe Ruth era, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the last time I played it. Oh, Babe Ruth. So cool because of his love of the film Babe, Pig in the City. Yep, that'll do, Pig. <laughs> that'll do. Um, <laughs> you know, he was born in Picktown. Is that right? Yeah, Picktown, Baltimore. Huh. Um, so that's another reason why he was called Babe. Um, Picktown, famous for uh, a pig race called the Squeakness. The squeakness. Yeah. Are you down with the squeakness? <laughs> Are you down with the squeakness? <laughs> um, little factoid for you there. Um, but yes, no, I enjoyed the baseball game. Um, I found it very enjoyable. And I don't know, maybe I'll put on some baseball in the background when I do other stuff because it's a very relaxing sport. Yeah, the, the Blue Jays right now are playing the Red Sox, which is the team that you like. And they're yes, winning. So, yeah. So there you go. The Blue Jays are winning, not the Red Sox. It's 3 0. 3-0, that is three hittings of the ball versus no catchings of the ball. That's how that's how baseball works. Nobody's caught a ball in this game <laughs> so far. Everyone has hit it. You're not allowed to catch a ball in baseball anymore. It's the rules. They changed it. Did you not hear? They changed it all, yeah. It's like how they got rid of fighting in ice hockey. Yeah, when when the ball comes at you, you now have like big mitts on your on your shoes and you've got to do like a little lacrosse shoe punt mitts. with your shoe mitt. Yeah. To the next person who then catches it in their shoe mitt. Um, and then basically you've got to get it back to home base, the mitt base as it's now known. Yeah. Um and uh, and that's how you uh, that's how you win a, a baseball. Yeah. It's quite hard to recreate that on MLB the show, but I think they did a good job. <laughs> they did. They did a very good job. Um the game comes with a peripheral that you strap onto your shoe and it registers the movements of your foot. It's like Wii Sports all over again. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> anyway, right. There is no baseball in in Goldmember. Sadly not. No, there's, there are some Dutch people. Funnily enough, the, the, um, the Netherlands is one of the hotbeds of European baseball. Oh, five They've people play a, it. Yeah, a, a couple of them have even made it to, to America to play in the majors. Let's have a look at baseball in the Netherlands on Wikipedia. It is apparently consistently ranked in the top 10 of the WBSC World Rankings. That's right. It has won the European Baseball Championship 20 times. How many other places are in the World Rankings? So let's have a look. Men's baseball. United States is ranked fifth in men's baseball. Yeah, after I'm going to say Japan... Dominican Republic. Not Dominican Republic. Chinese oh. Taipei. Okay, yeah. Second. South Korea third. Mexico fourth. Oh, below Mexico. Interesting. Israel is ranked number 20, and that's as far yeah. down as the list goes. They got very far in the uh, in the Olympics last year. Israel. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then you've got Dominican Republic in seventh. Puerto Rico in 16th. I'm just randomly picking... Uh, countries here. Canada only in 12th, which surprises me. 
So, so this is basically the list of all the nations that um, Mike Myers would like to insult by making a character from that nation in his next film. I mean, he so did. You're, a, he, you're, you're just you're just lining them up for him. He did a good job of of insulting various nations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just the Dutch in this one, was it? There was plenty of nice racism for you to sink your teeth into. There, there was some actual racism in this movie, not just. Yeah. Because let's be honest, it's very hard to be racist against countries that have a history of colonialism yeah you can't be racist against the english that's a an actual fact that's a law that's the law you look at it's in you our look constitution at, you look at racial discrimination law worldwide and there's a little asterisk underneath and it says does not relate to making fun of the brits you can make says, fun if of they're the english brits. doesn't count yeah um <laughs> um can you be racist against the dutch I imagine depending well, on the you probably you, you can. I imagine but, I mean, depending you can be offensive on, certainly. De- yeah, you can be offensive towards the Dutch and I imagine on the power dynamics and the history you can probably be racist towards the Dutch. Yeah. But but racism is very much intrinsic intrinsically linked to that power dynamic, isn't it? And this movie whereas the previous movies had a little bit of poking fun not necessarily racism, this movie does dive into the racist pond. So you yeah. can have an Italian female character called Alotta Vagina in the first movie. You can have a Russian female character called I've Got Big Tits Of, or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever her name was in the second movie. Um, yeah, and it's kind of just the right side of that line, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, whereas here we've got Japanese racism. Racism, oh, yeah, which is really, which is awful. really awful, and it's like Absolutely this movie. This horrendous. movie is five years after the first one. So how yeah. is this movie less mature than Austin Powers one? Um, it truly boggles the mind. Um, and yeah, so that racism, not good, not good. And because the tone of it is generally even more crude and even more vulgar, it makes it more apparent, doesn't it? That you're not yes. enjoying. You're already yeah. not enjoying it, and then it comes along with some racial humor and you're like mm, yeah no thanks yeah it's it's uh it's not good that that kind of humor is not good and you get some other bits of, of of bad humor so you've got um you've got shit uh literal shit humor in this movie lots of toilet humor here you've got fat bastards your favorite man your 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 kin your spiritual king yeah scottish spiritual king and again unless you're british i don't necessarily unless you're english i don't know if you can really be racist against the scots no but you can be offensive and use scottish stereotypes which is what this movie does and it's not very good i'm not a fan yeah and it mixes Um, those in with poo humor as well yeah yeah which is so it is just the worst it's the it's the triforce of dog shit when, whenever it, fat if you thought in. it was bad that Mike Myers drank some diarrhea in the second film, in this one it gets much worse. <laughs> it, it is, it is really bad, um, and yeah, so so all of that is bad. But I think there's there's some more intrinsic problems with Goldmember than just um, than just the racism, and that that's not said lightly. Racism is not good and should be should be criticized but there's problems in terms of the quality of this movie that that far outweigh its racist moments oh yeah of um, course the racism is just kind of over there it's not consequential to any of anything in the film but it is really bad yeah and, and, and part of the problem is that this movie really leans almost exclusively into the slapstick humor 
and the gross out humor and I mean, the poo stick humor the, the, the poo stick humor exactly there's um, some piss humor as well isn't there there is some just piss to really humor. round it off <laughs> just to add I mean, it was funny in the first film again in this one it's it's funny for about two seconds the thing when he's like pissing out of the fountain um like what the the pissing boy on the fountain and he's doing the piss to make the guy think it's the fountain that was it's funny for a little bit but it goes on too long it yeah it does go on too long this time it doesn't it doesn't manage the audience's time and expectation anywhere near as well as um as as the first movie does with that kind of humor um then you've you've also got all sorts of cringe spoof nonsense in this that goes outside of um out, outside of spy movies so um you've got for instance um a weird prison scene where dr evil sings a song and it's the most cringe thing i think i've ever seen in my life Oh, uh, where he's like rapping and it's that thing that's like that rap song version of it's a hard knock life i yes. hate that song really um, irritating <laughs> It's 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 truly awful. One of the most cringeworthy things I think. Pop I've songs ever seen. should never have children singing on them. That's that never works. What about? It? I wish that it was Christmas every day by Wizards. Christ- Christmas is an exception. Anything anything that's festive is an exception. What about? I'm trying to think of other ones. I can't even think of any other songs with children singing on them. That's because they're all awful. But but I can't even think of. Oh, I can think of one bad one. Um, which is uh, that I Love You Grandad song from the 80s. Do you remember that? I've got no idea what you're talking about. Um, okay, let me find it for you. You can look at it I'm up not going to listen to it. Um, sounds, ho- sounds awful. It is, it is truly bad. Uh, uh, I'm searching I Love You Grandad. There's... <laughs> That's what you say to me whenever I start ranting on this show about something that makes me an old man. Whenever I start talking about social media. Uh, <laughs> Grandad, we love you. I think it's called. Um, but then there's also There's No One Quite Like Grandma by St. Winifred's School Choir. Uh, yeah, no, not, not down with that. Um, truly the worst kind of music in the world. Um... <laughs> But what, what? I think mainly it's because it's like a rap song as well. It just seems really incongruous, doesn't it? What about Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd? That's got kids on it. Yeah, that's, that's just about tolerable. But again, but it's, not kind of of the, annoying. it's not one of the best Pink Floyd songs, is it? No. So no. you compare it to, you know, like Shine on You Crazy it's Diamond. quite boring as Pink Floyd songs yeah. go. Um, or, hmm, I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. But yeah, the I fact- wish you were here. Oh no! I was thinking about other children's songs. I don't think oh, there's other children's children in songs. Wish you were here, which is which is a ba- which is a, a a banger, great song. Other Pink Floyd. Welcome songs, to yeah. the Machine, underrated track by them. Yeah. Um, Paper and planes. That one by that goes, MIA. I've got a bike. I can ride it if I like. <laughs> that's a that's my favorite Pink Floyd song. <laughs> um, Paper planes by MIA. That's got little kids singing in it, isn't it? Yeah, that that one's more more tolerable. Yeah, that's a good one, and that's also a rap song. But again, it's not a cringeworthy white man rapping in a prison. Yeah, um, that uh, was really bad. It's funnier when Doctor Evil does a ballad in the in the second one. I mean, even then, I think a lot of the time, musical comedy is one of the worst forms of comedy. 
Yeah. Or did you like then the song that Mike Myers sings as Austin Powers with his fictional band Ming T, for whom he created the character before the films existed? Oh, is that a is that a fact? Does his character exist for? Yeah, a... yeah. The character predates the 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 films. It was from they used to do Saturday Night Live sketches with this fictional band that are in the film. Oh, right. Okay. Because the the um, one of them was from the Bangles and the other like their actual like real band band people. Musicians. Um, I did not enjoy that song. It was no, it was, it weird, was a very strange it? moment. Um, it was like a sort of indie Britpop jam, but that didn't yeah, really and work. it didn't really sound like a '60s song, even though it was clearly meant to no. be emulating a '60s song. Um, and then what was the other one? There was another song. Oh yeah, Beyonce sings a song as well. Um, oh yeah, it's that's the probably the best of the lot. The one that's just saying disco yeah, over and because, over, which I think which was quite funny. That's fine. Um, and then he's and then he's wearing his pimp costume. I did kind of enjoy that moment. But that the, was the funny. question remains: Why have you put so many songs in this movie? I mean, I know that in this film, Austin Powers looks like Taron Egerton as Elton John from Rocket Man, but even so, <laughs> um, <Yeah>. it's <laughs> the bitch is back. <laughs> but even so, it feels really odd that this movie—it's like it's forgotten to be a spy parody it's yeah they're just doing whatever they want because now they've had two successful films they're like people know what we're doing now let's let's just throw all the gags that didn't make it into the first couple of films have some offensive stuff about the dutch and then it's over now the (laughs) and we've got michael kane as well can i can i point out first i'll point out a couple of jokes i did like did you like it when he says i am a sexy beast no i did not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i liked um i liked when because of course the original sexy beast is ben kingsley <laughs> exactly um i liked when nathan lane turned up in a little cameo as as the proxy for foxy a- acting out her lines that was very funny because nathan lane is a genuinely funny actor and i thought that that was well done. yeah um i did like the way that gold member says i love gold <laughs> <laughs> genuinely great delivery very very funny um i also there, there there's also one joke in the racist bit which was funny not because it was racist but because it had a kind of nod and a wink meta humor with the audience which was um the subtitle joke yeah the yeah. subtitles come up and then the audience reads something and it's something rude about a penis and then they close a door and it's no longer a rude thing about a penis yeah but that was because it was it was subtitling the british oh no that was a different bit when him and michael kane are talking cockney and there's yes, subtitles under yeah. that as well um yeah they're subtitling japanese but it is actually oh yeah that's it is right. it is funnily done it's a clever it's a clever joke uh, and not racist the only bits with japanese people in in this movie that weren't racist is that joke. yeah um and i did like speaking of racism there is one line of dialogue in this movie that is genuinely a funny joke. Uh, which, which is it when he says "Oh, behave" instead of "behave"? <laughs> no, that was a funny joke. It is not a funny joke. <laughs> um, it is Michael Caine's character, Granddad. No, Dad. Dad Powers. What's his name? Nigel Powers. Nigel Powers. His name is Dad Powers. Which definitely does not sound like a Tory MP. <laughs> Michael Caine is a Tory, isn't he? So he could be a Tory. Probably, yeah. Um, uh, It is where he says, there are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. 
Yeah, that's a good genuinely that was a, good joke. a very funny joke for him to say. And then he continually is racist towards the Dutch throughout the movie after that point. And it's good that they continue that character progression through because it is funny. Um, do you want to hear the thing that I hated most about this movie? Um, the fact that the Osbournes appeared in it in the celebrity cameo bit. No, but that does lead me on to something else. So I'll talk about my most hated joke uh, later on. Isn't it strange that Austin Powers was such a huge thing that they could get all of these cameos in? So so you've got Tom Cruise, Gwyneth Paltrow, a very awkward Kevin Spacey cameo, yeah, uh, which is then the- only further exacerbated by the fact that Fat Bastard then talks about going on the Jared Subway diet later on. You do get Danny DeVito. A little cameo yep. from Danny DeVito, a little cameo from Steven Spielberg, cameo. From, yeah, I enjoyed that. Cameo from Quincy Jones, Britney Spears, Ozzy Osbourne, and family, and John Travolta. All these. The huge fact things. that it's the Osbournes sitting on their couch really dates it, doesn't it? it? Does. That show was huge, it wasn't it? Um, and 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 this kind of it, it's weird how Austin Powers was such a huge thing that they could get all these big names in, and then immediately after this movie came out, it stopped being a phenomenon. Yeah. Um it's it's yeah it's fascinating that, that this movie the the worst of the three I'm just going to say here spoiler alert for our school at the end <laughs> this movie is by far the worst um surprising this, this no is one an irredeemable dumpster fire of a film um it's it's so strange to see all these big names in it and also two scientologists as well and you kind of think is this is there some kind of scientology thing Tom Cruise and powers? John Travolta John Travolta's a Scientologist? Yes. I don't think I knew that. Uh, yes, old Johnny boy. Huh. Yeah, he um, he basically... He's got chills and they're multiplying. He's, he's been a Scientologist for a really long time as well. Um, I think from the 70s even. It's, it's yeah, he's, he's, he's a Scientologist. I wonder who else is. It's Austin Powers rather than a Christian, so huh. a Scientologist. Maybe. Scientology doesn't seem very groovy though, does it? It doesn't sound very groovy, but who knows? Maybe it's all an act. Dianetics, baby, yeah. <laughs> Read this, do this Dianetics quiz and it's t- it'll tell you if you're shagadelic. <laughs> Alien souls in a volcano, baby, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, right. Anyway, Nathan Lane as Mysterious Disco Man. Yeah, love him. That's He's what great. it says here, Mysterious Disco Mysterious Man. Mysterious Disco Man, love it fantastic um but your but problem yeah. is that this this they got all these celebs and then it was not good well it was completely pointless what was the point of all those cameos it was just for the audience to go i i understand that's a person i should recognize it was so that mike myers could go look how wildly successful my franchise based around childish jokes is yeah, they got all but... of these cool celebs in it to, to to affirm that but like they did that with wayne's world too but with Wayne's World 2, it's... Who was in Wayne's World 2? So Wayne's World 2 had, like, Aerosmith in, for instance. Do you I've remember they did the... So long. They did the big... They did the Wayne stock at the end. Right. And so it had all of these sort of cameos in it. And it was it was pretty pretty well done. It was pretty good. Um, but then it tied into the plot and into the characters. Whereas in this movie, <laughs> it, it does not <laughs> um, at all. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. Um, but the bit I hated the most in this movie, the bit I hated more than anything else, 
was young Austin Powers at school. Yeah. The fucking Harry Potter segment with 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 young Austin Powers and young Doctor Evil and Because of course Basil he went Expedition. to school with he went to school with Minnie Me with um sorry, Doctor Evil and Basil Expedition. They were all at school together. Although I have to say that young young Minnie Me was I keep saying Minnie Me when I mean Doctor Evil. Young Doctor Evil was played by Scott Ockerman, which was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who does comedy bang bang. You know, you know, there's, there's a TV I show and a podcast. I haven't seen very it, funny, but, uh, but I know the I know the name. The podcast um, is funnier. I think it was, it works better in audio, but it is very very funny. It's it's like a sort of spoof comedians interviewing comedians show, and it's very meta and very dry in parts. But yeah, he's got all these amazing running gags about how Bat Dance is the greatest song ever made and stuff like that. It's, he's a very very funny man, and seeing him pop up here as Young Doctor Evil entertained me greatly. It's it is good, and I, I want to shout out the person who played Young Basil Exposition does a very good job of being Basil Exposition, but as a young man um, as well. Yeah. I have no I had no idea who plays him, but if you're listening, guy who played young Basil Exposition, you were the best thing about this movie. You 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 nailed that performance. <laughs> um but the whole thing the whole thing with the flashback was really cringeworthy and nothing funny happened in that that section of the movie. No. And it just, just served kind of to think. undermine the stuff later on. I mean, I know no one's watching this movie for the intricacy of the plot, but you still have to do a bit of a thing when you're like, oh, yeah, it turns out um, Austin Powers and Dr. Evil are brothers and um, Michael Caine is their dad, and he never knew that his other son survived the car bomb, even though they both went to the same school together, even though Dr. Evil was raised in Belgium. Yeah, well done. Um, well, well done on being a super spy, Nigel Powers. Yeah, maybe maybe you should have stopped taking donations from the Conservative Party and should have done some actual sleuthing. That that's the thing. Now he was on a bung from the Tories to stop investigating their illegal activities, and when he was in MI5, that's now yeah. that's now Nigel Powers' backstory. Um, <laughs> and he went, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll I'm do Michael it. Caine. Keep my, keep my taxes low. Keep the gays down. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm Nigel Powers, not Michael Caine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, um yeah, maybe. So, yeah, Michael Caine. I generally like Michael Caine. I will always love him and have a place in my heart for him because of the Muppet Christmas Carol. But he annoyed oh, the shit out of me. In spectac- this he's spectacular in so many other things. But in this movie, he's truly irritating, and it's amazing that he has he has the one good joke. But overall, his performance is just insipid, isn't it? It's just really frustrating as a character. And and also, it it undermines the law of Austin Powers that Nigel Powers even exists. Yeah. And I am dedicated to Austin Powers' law, as well, you know. It is the thing I It sort of most ruins all the time it. travel stuff, doesn't it? Well, it ruins all the time travel stuff. And also, the entirety of the other movies, it's been highlighted that Austin Powers is the most famous British spy. However, Nigel Powers is introduced as the Britain's most famous spy. And you just think, well, why? Why have you undermined good old good old Austin in this way? Exactly. Only just so you can make some funny... So the only plot that you could think of was to make it so that him and Dr. Evil were brothers and whatever, which is stupid. It's, uh, yeah, it's... it's, it's um... 
it's it's just really stupid. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Michael Caine's politics here. Oh yeah, have you dug something up? Uh, well, yes, he is an outspoken Tory. Oh no, uh, which I which I knew already. Um, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> he left United Kingdom for the United States in the late 1970s, citing income tax levied on top earners by the Labour government. Um, he then returned to the UK under Margaret Thatcher when the taxes have comes down. Um, he does not want to pay his fair share towards making society better, is what we get from here. Yep. Um, the, doesn't care about the NHS or schools or anything else or making sure that roads aren't crumbling or, you know, whatever. But you know what he does care for? Reintroducing the national service in the UK to give young people a sense of belonging. Um, he then threatened to leave... Uh, the UK again when Gordon Brown was Prime Minister um, over the potential for a new 50% income tax rate on top earners um, and endorsed the Conservative Party again at that point. Um, And then he also wanted to um, uh, again support a national service uh, system that David Cameron was suggesting. Um, I don't think I want to hear any more of this because it will ruin the Muppet Christmas Carol for me. Which will ruin Christmas for me. I think you <laughs> no, need to stop. Separate the art from the artist. Um, he Fart then fartist. <laughs> he then uh, was reported to have been an investor in a tax avoidance scheme. Uh, he described the proposed mansion tax by Ed Miliband as preposterous and silly. Uh, he voted in favour of Brexit, stating he would rather be a poor master than a rich servant. Um, he will never be poor. He is a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> he's extremely rich. He's he's so rich, he left the country to pay less tax and then threatened to leave the country to pay less tax. This is a multiple thing that he has done. Um, So, Michael Caine, you fucking jeb-end. <laughs> pay yeah, you're pay not, your taxes, you bastards. I'm just going to pretend that none of the none of this happened, and that all he is is the Scrooge from the end of Muppet Christmas Carol when he's singing well, when, about having did, a thankful heart and stuff. When did Muppet Christmas Carol come out? That was ninety two. Nineteen ninety. Ninety two. Ninety one. Ninety two. Yeah, ninety ninety two. So, right. He apparently did support Tony Blair in the middle of the nineties. So, the way that you can think about it and still be able to watch Christmas Carol is that Michael Caine was a Tory. Big old Tory. But then he did Muppet Christmas Carol and then had a change of heart, had a thankful heart, some might say, um, and changed his ways and supported the left-wing party in the UK for a number of years until he then went back to being a cantankerous old dickhead. So so perhaps Muppet Christmas Carol is so good that it made Michael Caine very briefly into a man who cared about other human beings. So I feel like he had a character arc. But he where a, on that arc was he when they filmed Goldmember? So Goldmember, um, unfortunately, was also during the um, the Tony Blair years, um, which maybe explains why New Labour is the kind of thing that should be annihilated. Yeah, because it led us to to Nigel Powers. New Labour, baby. <laughs> Things can only get better, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, simpler times. <laughs> Tough on crime, baby but more tough on the causes of crime yeah um so 
anyway welcome to the michael kane doesn't pay his taxes cast um yeah right uh where were we <laughs> where what, what were we talking about in in gold member before before this tangent um someone having a smoke and a pancake uh dr evil rapping um there's yeah there's all sorts of nasty stuff in there isn't there did you enjoy fred savage I did. He will always be the kid from The Princess Bride to me, even yes. though I know he's done other stuff. But the whole thing about him having a mole, extremely unfunny and irritating throughout the whole film. Yeah, it it added nothing, and it kept coming up over and over and over again. It was, uh, yeah, not good. Very tedious. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, again, extremely frustrating, wasn't it? Um, one thing I will say, though, is... Um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia obviously introduced us to Frank Reynolds, a man who likes shooting a gun in the air. But here we've got Danny DeVito as Mini Me shooting a gun in the air. Yeah, was this the <laughs> was was this the 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 kernel that created uh, Frank Reynolds, one of the most iconic TV characters of all time? It's the original Frank Reynolds. Yeah, the OG Frank Reynolds was was Danny DeVito as Mini Me in a cameo in Goldmember. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but yeah, I, I've now talked about everything that I had written down. Um, yeah, I just wrote down it's short, but also how is there half an hour left? Oh God, I know. I was looking at the time, and I was only forty minutes in, and just thought, how how has this happened? What's 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 gone on here? Um, truly, truly astounding how much this movie drags. Yeah, very, very weird pacing. But there was there was a funny joke about Godzilla being copyrighted, wasn't there? I th- I oh that yes, joke. that was that was a funny joke as well. You're right. There is more than one funny joke in this movie. Yeah. Did you enjoy? Two. Did you enjoy when Mini Me got beaten up by Austin Powers? Yeah, finally. But there's a kind of running joke about violence on Mini-Me that I didn't quite like as well. You know, like Dr. Evil dropping him and stuff. I didn't enjoy that. Yeah, it kind of kept coming up and it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I also, I'm not sure how I feel about Scott's Dr. Evil's son becoming evil himself. It seemed like a very strange character development. It seemed like a very strange character development that could set them up perfectly for a fourth film if they ever had the inclination or the budget <laughs> or the whatever to do it. Maybe that's what's going to happen in, in Austin Powers 4, which is supposedly in the works. It's been talked about, hasn't it? Yeah, maybe maybe it will be Scott is the villain. Um, yeah, that's obviously where it's going to go. So, question for you. Austin Powers 1, very good movie. Second movie, not so good third movie extremely bad how would you have made the austin powers movies different that's that's a really good question i think just it doesn't actually have to be massively different does it it just has to focus has to focus more on the things in the first film that are funny are goof factor without being crude whilst also having a basis in satire Right, and it's the balance between all of those things. I can't. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to pull something out of my my hat out of my hat now and tell you exactly how I'd have made the movie two or three. But it's the balance between those things, right? Yeah, I, I think you're completely right. That's where the 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 worse that balance gets, and the more off kilter that feels, the worse the movies get as they yeah. go along. One thing that I would you don't do... need to see the shadow of Fat Bastard on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, in fact, you don't need <laughs> you fat do, bastard at all. You don't need fat bastard at all. One thing I would do, and this might be controversial, no Doctor Evil after the first movie. Yeah, different villains. Making making sequels for comedies is notoriously difficult, more so than almost any other genre, or possibly more so than any other genre of movie. Making a sequel to a comedy is hard because a lot of the jokes that you use in the first one, you end up repeating. And you saw that a lot in The Spy Who Shagged Me, where they kept bringing back the same jokes for Dr. Evil again, and they didn't land a lot of the time. Yeah. So you 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 avoid that by, yes, you have Austin Powers again, obviously, because it's the Austin Powers franchise, but you you make it a new villain. And it can be based on another Bond villain. Maybe they go to Scaramanga's Island from The Man with the Golden Gun. You could get all sorts of yeah. comedy out of that. I don't know. At this point, you'd have... Big Man with Shark Teeth. Yeah, Jules could have been the um, could have been the sub villain as well. So you've got all of these other villains that you could call on, and all these other, uh, you know, James Bond movies that you could call on for inspiration to make them all feel fresh and different. Um, but instead, it it goes back to the same characters, which then leads to more and more of the same jokes, which don't land. You know, diminishing returns um half the half-life of a joke is very short yeah that's exactly it so yeah i hope there's no dr evil but beyonce though she's all right you're better in this than um the idris elba movie that we watched <laughs> yeah what was that called obsession Ob- yeah secret, secret obsession secret obsession and lethal obsession or was it just called obsession i think it was it obsessed obsessed that's right yeah the yeah. secret obsession was a different one <laughs> that was a different one that was the same movie wasn't it yeah yeah um Rich yeah they're... people being weird in a big house <laughs> that's exactly right um yeah no she was better in this it was a better performance here yeah i thought she was quite um, she was quite good she certainly managed to cut through i think she wasn't really involved in any of the disgusting humor was she so like she seemed to just sort of be there to be fun and and say you're under arrest sugar which i i thought was nice and it's this was like the first thing that she did after destiny's child split up wasn't it i think so yeah this was before her before she'd started her solo career properly but apparently the, Before the she put single, a ring on it. <laughs> yes, the single for uh, for for this song was was from the Austin Powers soundtrack, wasn't it? She did it. Yes, she did it for the soundtrack, but it didn't quite fit as well as uh, the Madonna song from The Spy Who Shagged Me. No, I'd say um, still, it's a, it's a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was. Uh, it was. It was. It was good. It was good. Um, in terms of of the uh, of the soundtrack, um, your favourite band, Smash Mouth, have a song on the soundtrack. Apparently, oh, do they? Yeah, I don't remember that. Maybe this is one of those things where it's on the soundtrack, but what that means is it's track eleven on a CD <laughs> that's called the soundtrack, not that it was actually exactly. in the film. Exactly. So weird. Um, and then, of course, yeah, you've got the hard lock life um song which it, it's is it's actually a jay-z song isn't it i think i think so yeah um, still sucks i'm sure it's still bad but the dr evil version is considerably worse um and uh and yeah you've got old uh britney spears as well yeah as herself but but it didn't 
it didn't feel as the music didn't feel as cohesive as with the other the other films i'd say it's another area where it didn't it didn't fit tonally together very well which is the big problem with gold member in general apart from the fact that it's just simply not funny yeah it just sort of jumps from tone to tone doesn't it from decade to decade from place to place stringing together a bunch of gags very loosely yeah yeah exactly exactly um so not good not good no but it did have soul bossa nova at the beginning again (laughs) (laughs) of course it did um and you know what when austin powers 4 comes out i'll be glad for it to have that at the beginning again yeah but they've already had the quincy jones cameo so it's like how do you elevate that you can't mecha quincy jones oh yeah robot quincy jones so you mean like it's like a metal sonic version of quincy (laughs) jones exactly exactly he's still alive isn't he quincy jones he is yeah yeah and you know who else is who's also in this film but bacharach He's like ninety eight or something, and he's was, still, was still he knocking in around. Member? Did he? He, he appeared in the credits, singing uh, singing his song. Okay, okay. I did not stay for the credits. I'm afraid. Yeah, I sort of skipped through them to see if there was anything of note, and there was a scene of Mini Me being horny with Britney Spears, which I didn't like. But then Burt Bacharach <laughs> was singing, and that was nice. My uh, my son likes Burt Bacharach, incidentally. Oh really? The other day, I um, he was talking about when it was raining, and I sang "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head," and now that's his favorite song. Oh, that's very good. Excellent. Oh, that is nice. Um, Have you got anything else you'd like to say about about this movie? No. I I think we have covered (laughs) it, haven't we? No. (laughs) That's it. We're done. It is is an awful film. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a really bad movie. The the first one is good. Second one, probably just about worth watching if there's nothing else on. This one, nah, give it a miss. Yeah, this is extremely bad. And yeah, the, the first movie really holds up incredibly incredibly well yeah much more so than i was expecting actually i was expecting it to be a bit cringeworthy baby but it was it was good given that you know how kind of everyone was quoting these films for years for such a long time it is um yeah it's 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 strange isn't it you think about but again all of the the best movie is the one that has the least quotable moments in it yeah. Where people will still stay, say schmuck and a pancake. I know. I'd forgotten that this was where that was from. That was some stupid thing. And I remember people still were saying that even when we were at university. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it is literally several years after this shit piece came out. That was like, you remember yeah. on Facebook, on MySpace, and like early social media, there'd be a bit for your favorite quotes. I remember seeing oh, a more God. than one person's po- profile that one of theirs was a schmuck and a pancake. No, I'm thinking right you're a, you're a, an idiot. I think <laughs> we must have been friends with the same people who had that because I remember yeah. seeing that multiple times and thinking, yeah, you know, what I'm talking oh, about this is this is the Montgomery Mango Pirate School of social media, <laughs> which that will mean something to about three people. The, the golden age of social media. I still don't know who <laughs> who that was. No, I think we've actually talked about this on the show before, haven't we? Someone created a fake profile called Montgomery Mango Pirate, and the picture was a mango pirate. I think it was from the Mighty Boosh that picture. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah he was like friends right. with loads of people in our circle at, at university, but no one ever worked out who it was. Yeah, and I think it was friends with a fair few people that I knew from college as well. Right. So I thought I knew who it was, and I asked them about it a while afterwards, but they said it wasn't them. So it's still, I still have no idea who Montgomery Mango Pirate was. If you're listening, 
Monty, I know you listen every week. <laughs> no, you're a big fan. Let us know was who who you were, who you were. We're desperate to know. Oh, um, that really was a golden age. Yeah, before I was I was thinking about this the other day. Is social media was fun before politicians knew what it was? Yeah, and then as soon as politicians started using social media, it fucked it up for everybody. When it was just people chatting nonsense it was great but then it became politicized by politicians getting on there and then their fans getting on there and it all just became so toxic and that's the same across all different social media platforms is the reason why the reason why facebook is indoctrinating your your grandparents into becoming nazis is because politicians found out about facebook it's because david cameron went got on facebook and said ha ha i too enjoy a smoke and a pancake ha ha <laughs> I also like a cigar and uh, a crepe. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, that, I, I realise. Yeah, that is the point where it all went all went to crap was when politicians started it. So the answer to that is get politicians off the internet. Yeah. Bin them off. If I if I if I had Elon Musk's money and I was going to rather than solve world hunger, buy a social media platform just to to try and get over my divorced dad syndrome that I've got going on. I'd buy Twitter and then just kick everyone off it. <laughs> I'd buy Twitter, buy Twitter and, and just shut it down. I, I'd buy Twitter, <laughs> but no, I wouldn't shut it down. But I'd take a look at any politician on there. It doesn't matter if I agree with their politics or not. Any politician and fuck them off it and change the terms and conditions and say, if you are a politician or a politician adjacent individual, you're not allowed on this social media platform. This is solely for people posting pictures of their cats and chatting shit. Yeah. You can, you can say schmuck and a pancake as much as you like. (laughs) No, you must say schmuck and a pancake at least once a year. That's the law. Or you'll also get kicked off. That's the law. Um, anyway, right. A little bit of trivia for you. Um, let's start with a very sad, bittersweet, and extremely weird one. George Harrison was a big fan of the Austin Powers franchise. <laughs> the very of last course. letter he wrote was to Mike Myers praising him for his work. The letter was never mailed, but coincidentally ended up in Myers' hands the day the former Beatle died. What? Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know that. Uh, Myers had never met Harrison and cried like a baby when he received the letter, which is now in a frame in his home. Oh, well, that's lovely and sad. It is, it is really strange. Really weird thing. Um, so uh, so Heather Graham did reprise her role as Felicity Shagwell, um, Heather Graham from, from the previous movie, uh, but the scene was cut and it was uh, the same for Will Ferrell playing Mustafa. Because yeah, I was going to say there appeared to be no mention of her character at all. <laughs> no, she was completely absent. Although um, um, <laughs> the the fake band Ming T, the um, Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles, who is in that band, her character's name is Gillian Shagwell. So maybe she's supposed oh, to be like a cousin maybe, or something. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, which yeah, which is a shame that that uh, we didn't get that because he didn't get the the funny joke that opens Austin Powers two of. Um, Liz Hurley being a fembot. Though they did it with Britney Spears, I guess. Uh, yes, yeah, they did it with Britney Spears. But yeah, I mean, it would have been extremely funny if she'd also turned out to be a fembot. And it could have just been a running joke that you get the person back in for the next movie and then they die because they're a fembot and they try and kill Austin Powers at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. that, could be a, that could be a very funny running joke if they made it a thing throughout all of the franchise. 
Yeah. Um, which, yeah, which would have been great. But, uh, but yeah, alas, they did not. Um, you missed one of the potential names for the film, which was ni- License to Shag. <laughs> License to Shag. That's That's not the worst one. And they also considered Austin Pussy for the title. Oh, yeah, but then they used that as the, the film within the, the film. As the fake movie name, yeah. Um, also, oh, this is a massive continuity error. I can't believe they let this slip through the net. What a goof. Austin Powers 3. Um, Austin Powers travels to 1975, but the car he's driving is a 1976 car. Oh, I bet that upset loads of car nerds, which is I'm good. I'm sorry... But but that Cadillac Eldorado is actually from 1976. I can't believe that happened. I'm I sure Mike Myers got ruined. loads of really really not not tedious at all letters from car enthusiasts. <laughs> it has ruined. It has ruined the film for me. Who's Surely... worse, car nerds or Sherlock Holmes nerds? Ah, oh, Sherlock Holmes nerds are worse. Yeah, but car nerds are annoying, aren't they? Car, car nerds are annoying, but at least you know when you get on public transport, you're not going to meet any car nerds. That's true, yeah. So yeah every time I get on the tube, there's someone dressed as Sherlock Holmes smoking in a pipe the- in my face. <laughs> every time in London. Every single time going, oh, did you know that that Sherlock Holmes is really good? I don't I don't actually know any Sherlock Holmes facts because <laughs> the stories are fucking boring. <laughs> I totally agree. The Blue Jays just won this game, and I meant to tell you that you, you would love the guy who pitched the last one because he looks like Waluigi. I'm going to find a picture and send it to you. <laughs> yes, please do. He's one of my favourite pitchers do. ever, and he looks like Is Waluigi. Is his name yeah. William Aluigi? <laughs> w Aluigi. No. Um, that, that, there is a character creator thing in MLB The Show 22, so maybe I'm going to create William Aluigi and see if I can create a character that looks as close to Waluigi as possible. Yep. <laughs> anyway, right, that'll do for that'll do for yeah, How are we gonna how are we gonna rate this? How many um Oh god. Uh how many times will you say racist things about the Japanese? Oh yeah, yeah not not very many times. Um I would I'm I glad go, to hear that. <laughs> I'll go for six times out of a possible twenty. I'm going to go for five. This movie's trash, and I never want to see it again. Yeah, it's not good. But overall, you know, the franchise holds up surprisingly well. First film, first film, good. So that was something, you know. I and I enjoyed revisiting, revisiting these films. It was a nice thing to do and a nice way to bring us to episode two fifty. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is amazing. Which is really, really cool. But we are now going to take a bit of a break because I'm due to have a child very, very soon, like in the next week or two. So to make sure that that all goes smoothly and I'm not talking to you about Sherlock Holmes and while that happens, we're going to save talking about Holmes and Watson, (laughs) which is going to be our next one (laughs) for probably like another month or so. Um, So yeah, just going to take a bit of a break after episode 250. It's a good place to take a break, but thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate it, and we hope you're enjoying it. And, you know, why not take that time to revisit some of the classics from our back catalogue, such as Cats or The Bridges of Madison County or Three Chains O' Gold. (laughs) Just (laughs) putting some of my faves out there. (laughs) Go and listen to the others. You'll, uh, You'll love it, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and we will be back soon. Um... You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can catch us on email 
Uh, catch us on email. Who says that? Uh, email us, Big <laughs> Boys Don't Cry podcast. That, okay. <laughs> yeah, after he's had his smoke and a crap, <laughs> he, <laughs> he likes to catch people on email. Um, yeah, you can email us, Big Boys Don't Cry podcast at gmail.com. Um, all right, and we'll be back in a month or two to talk about Holmes and Watson. All righty. Bye bye. Bye.